my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman. Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tat Green Money. Black Tat is an artist, entertainer, entrepreneur, and founder of Black Smoke, the world's number one leader in no nicotine, no tobacco hookah products that are actually made from fruit. In recent months, he's had more than a couple million dollar days 
where his products have generated more than $1 million in sales and completely selling out online within 24 hours. I asked Black about the growth in hookah and vaping in our community and why his approach with no nicotine or tobacco involved is so important. We all have our guilty pleasures in different ways. So, um, I mean, even when it comes to simple as eating food, like we probably shouldn't be eating pork chops, we shouldn't be eating fried chicken, <laughs> but we're, we're going to do it. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes when you feel like I should be eating that bad fried chicken, instead I'm going to saute it in a skillet with some butter and maybe that's a little healthier then, you know, eating the fried chicken. So the same thing I, I, I wanted to do with hookah. Hookah is becoming such a big thing in our community. Uh, I find myself a victim of it as well. Like, you know, want to be down, want the aesthetic, want the vibe, going out with friends. And you get the drink when you're sitting there. It's almost like we all are hooked on this oral fixation. We just need to be doing something. Yeah. And I never smoked before in my life. I had never smoked a cigarette, I had never smoked marijuana, nothing like that of that sort. But I found myself smoking hookah and realized I was smoking, I was exposing myself to so much nicotine and tobacco, it was just like I was just a, uh, the same person that I was condemning from smoking packs of cigarettes, I became that. So I wanted to figure out a way that, not only for myself but for other people, how could we you know, have our guilty pleasures, do the things that we love to do, but expose ourselves to less harm, less toxins, less chemicals. Found myself getting headaches, stomach aches, feeling nauseous because I was smoking so much nicotine and tobacco. And that's when I realized is a way that I will, I could continue doing this, but just not doing it in such the worst way possible. And that's when I feel like my importance to the community of offering something that literally didn't exist, something that we couldn't get anywhere else. I knew it was a way, like everything was not here before. Everything had to be like innovative, you know what I'm saying? So I, even though I had got so many no's and so many people felt like it was so crazy, what you mean fruit? With a hookah, that's not possible. But you also use fruit to put your nicotine and tobacco shisha inside of. People mm. stuff it with grapefruit, with oranges, with, with with pineapples, and they still put the foil on it, and they still put the coals on top. So I feel like fruit was already incorporated, and you're still burning the fruit some kind of way. So I knew it was a way to intercept yeah. the two and do it in a, in a better you know perspective. So you, you mentioned a couple other things in our community that may not be the best for us, but you saw hookah as a business opportunity for you. Why hookah versus any of the other things that you could have done? The reason why it's hookah, because I said this to all entrepreneurs was important. It's best to do something that you already love to do. That's where that passion comes from. Because when if you chase something just be, because of the money, yes, it'd be good. Yes, it feels good, but it doesn't last long term. I had never created no other business because I was very selective of what I wanted to do because whatever I wanted to do and whatever I started doing, I wanted to be able to do it from the start to finish. Know the ends and outs about it and really be passionate about it because when the money comes, it feels good. But when the money slows down or stop, would you still care about doing this particular thing or you would you try to hop on the next wagon with the next dollar attached to it? And that was never me and I didn't want it to be me. So hookah was something I did every day, all day. It was part of my regular life anyway with my friends and with my audience. It was things I had knowledge about that I know what I, I was looking for. I knew what tastes good. I know how it made me feel. I knew another alternative I was looking for when I was affected by the original you know, nicotine and tobacco. So it was all things that I also, as an entrepreneur, was also able to eliminate myself as an entrepreneur and also see the, the different faces of it as a consumer. So I knew the ins and outs about it. So that's why it made the most sense for me. And so you mentioned this oral fixation. So sometimes it's just the action of smoking that satisfies the desire to smoke. And because yours Absolutely. doesn't have nicotine, you know, there's there's more to it. So can you talk about what that is? 
Yes, it don't have nicotine, it don't have tobacco, so it's really more so like the aura fixation. A lot of people just thinking that they so addicted to that cigarette, is so addicted to that hookah, that, that nicotine, that tobacco, because they tell themselves, oh, I need that. What do what do black smoke do for you? I'm not going to feel nothing. I'm not going to get high. Oh, no, I can't smoke that. I need my nicotine, my tobacco. It's not the nicotine and tobacco that, that got you hooked to that at the, at the beginning. It was that aura fixation. And when you got so so accustomed to the aura fixation, now you have probably became addicted to that nicotine and tobacco from trying to, uh, you know, fix that urge of that aura fixation so much. So when you really think about it, like it's literally the aura fixation which plays a part. That's why when people will literally say, oh, my nerve's bad. They got in an argument and somebody made them upset. I need a cigarette right now because my nerve's bad. It's not the nicotine and tobacco calming you down. It's your mind making you feel like once you're doing that aura fixation, something is happening, but nothing is really happening. <laughs> so it's So oftentimes, the solutions to problems are all around us. And so we just have to reframe the way we look at things and opportunities can be all around you. And so if I think of problems as opportunities. And so if you just open your eyes, there's business opportunities all around you. And smoking is to your point is often is correlated to the relaxation and you found a way to do it with fruit. Can you talk about how we can reframe ourselves for problem solving by working to with a different lens on the world around us? Yeah, like pretty much when you really thinking about it, everything that you see around you, everything that you probably think of, of your regular day to day life, that's that probably be so normal to you. It's, it always feels from something. It always comes from something. So there is always an opportunity. There is always a, a business venture, a business idea that can come from anything. Like, for instance, you could sit there and be having a regular day and just go outside and, 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 and stop stepping step mud on your shoe and by the time you came home your shoe is hard it's hard to get the mud up, mud up. broom 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 literally you can come up with a shoe cleaner that's literally just for mud stains like yeah, it's yeah. so easy to just do with everything that's around you like uh uh i, I i've had a, a a a cousin that's not not too long ago was telling me about how he came to my refrigerator and literally tried to make a, a drink. And by me not using my ice and my ice maker, the ice just constantly made. When it come to get the ice out, it, it was all hard and stuck yeah. together. Yeah. He was like, you need to do something. You need to create something where they have individual ice cubes and it come out like, like Sonic ice, like the small cubes. I said, why don't you create a filter or create a refrigerator that has ice come out like that? He said, nobody got no Sonic refrigerator? <laughs> I said, no, Sonic is the only one branding the ice. How about you brand the refrigerator? And he was looking at me like I was crazy. I said, I guess my ideas are way too, too advanced for you right now. You're not there yet. You're not ready, bro. <laughs> I love that. But you're right. The problems are all around us. Therefore, opportunities are all around us. If we just t take a different look at the things that are around us. So your, your products have been extremely viral on social media. And I want to know how you're able to achieve. Like, what tactics have you used to ensure that your posts go viral? Yeah, so this is my thing. Uh... That's why I tell people like I understand. Please don't get me wrong. Where I'm not, I'm not acting like money isn't important. Like it's our way of living. It's our way of surviving. Money is as important. I, I get it. Our livelihood. But the biggest thing is to create an audience, build a structure, build a foundation, and build a family. Like, like be able to connect with your audience, build, build, build this magnitude of, of this understanding with them, 
So then when you have that, when you have that connection first and these people that's that's looking to you, admire you, like inspire you by you, connect with you, like you talk back, you respond back, you 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 always in- include them and let them know the importance of who they are to you. That feeds they so what also feeds your business. Yeah. A lot of people just get on here and don't connect with the audience and but take their business and just post a flyer, a post a sale, like restocking this Friday, restock. Nobody wants to feel like they're just looked at as a dollar. Nobody wants to feel like that's just like if you was in a relationship, your, your, your spouse only come to you when they have a problem. Okay, other than when I solve your problem financially, what else do you think of me? What else do we have in common? Like, yeah. I'm not a shit at that. You, you know, you're not my parent. <laughs> so it's the same thing with your consumers. It's okay that you have people that support you, and it's okay that you value that they support you, but outside of them support you, supporting you and buying from you, what else is there y'all share? So I share more of a connection with my audience. I share more of relatable things, us talking about, us really getting to know each other. Like they really feel like they have watched me elevate and they feel like they played a big part in my success, which they have. They feel like they have watched my kids grow up. They call them their nephew and they, you know, they, they sons and stuff like that. So when you have, when you build that structure first, the money is going to flow, but when you just chasing the money, you limiting yourself of the excess of what all comes with it. You know. So, so what I hear you saying is, you know, social media can't be used as a one way conversation. Like you just post, and you have to engage in the comments, you know, and engage on other people's posts and et cetera. Yes, yes, you 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 have to because like it's such a worldwide thing. Like everybody is totally different. Like not it's not one world. It's not one community. You can't post one thing and touch everybody. Like everybody has a different way of life a different way of thinking and something that i post that may have flirted 200,000 people probably have made 50,000 people be like i don't like that or that's weird so you have to touch things that that can relate to as everybody and you probably would never relate to everybody but at least try to relate to as many people as you can and you can't post on social media just from your lens because not everybody also think like you now everybody understands your perspective. So you gotta sometimes take yourself out of the box like I wouldn't know me like this, but somebody out here might may, may you know may do. So you really can't think about it like that. I was also telling a person like that about uh, a business venture that they was working on, they was getting my opinion on it. And they was talking about different flavors and stuff like that, uh of, of this alcohol beverage, and they was like, No, because I hate blueberry. No, because I don't I don't like pineapple. I say that's what you hate. That's what you don't like. But there's like millions that. of people in the world that love blueberry, right. that love pineapple. So are are you going to be the one buying, buying all your stuff? stuff that's right. Exactly. Your consumers, it was what matters. If the people that's buying from you that you expect to support, you say this is my favorite flavor. You're going to not sell it because you say I don't like it. That <laughs> doesn't facts. make any sense. You know. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating 
for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you sell 
humongous days like you've had, $1 million day, $2 million days. You're not always stocked, I imagine, with a million dollars worth of product in a warehouse or two million dollars worth of product in a warehouse, I imagine, especially when you do it early. How do you manage to coordinate sales with inventory so that you can get them no, their product that, fast that, enough? This is the thing. I have never done pre-orders before. I, I only, and I preach this all the time, only sell what's inside of your warehouse, which is why I had to get, I don't know if you've seen when I, I just purchased the humongous hate It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. And that's because the reason why I was selling out because I was only able to go as far as my inventory allowed me to. So when I had those $1 million days, I was completely sold out. So I always was mad at myself. Everybody else around me, Karen was like, woo, you made a million dollars in a couple hours. And I'm mad at myself with my head down because if I made a million dollars in such and such hours and it stopped only because my inventory ran out, I was sold out. I could have made $3 million in 12 hours. I could have made $5 million in 24 hours, but I limited myself. So I'm never okay with selling out. It all sounds good. It all looks pretty, but if you literally a business person that you focus on the growth of your business, you hindering your growth every single time. So selling out is not the goal. The goal is constantly making more money, more money, and being having enough inventory to sustain the amount of magnitude of your consumers, but still not selling out. Always got the supply for somebody else because also you can't get so like cocky and level-headed to the point where you feel like, oh yeah, if it's so loud, when I restart, they gonna come back. You gotta always have this humble mindset that That's when right. I don't have it, they gonna get the next best thing from the next best person. That's right. And so, so how do you think about, because you know, you're, you're selling out so quickly, what is the mm -hmm. thinking on the balance of, well, if it's selling out so fast at this price, maybe it's priced, it could go higher. How do you think about that? So that's, that's the thing. I feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, when, when everything's selling out so fast and the price is what it is, like when I, before I released it, I, I, I like evaluated everything and find out my pricing points and what worked for me and what will be most suitable for me. How can I manage my business? be fair to the consumers, but also make sure I'm getting my profit and able to sustain my lifestyle and everything like that. When I came up with that price, I did that. So just because I'm being su supported to this magnitude, I feel like it'll be unfair to the consumer and very selfish to raise the prices, you know, and fluctuate the prices just to make my life a little better and make my, my profit a little higher, but actually taking more out of their pocket. These are the people that support me. I need them to feel more comfortable than me. Yeah. You know, so this is, when they, when they work hard and get their check every week, I need them to like buy from me and not have regrets after it. I need them to love the product when they receive it. And I need them not have a regret when they see that that, that price come out of their bank account. Because at the end of the day, if we constantly see something that's costing us too much money and we add up at the end of the month, end of the week and say, this is too high, nine times out of 10, we're not going to go back and continue doing that. Only that. And so I was, reading, I was reading this interview, and this is a quote from you, and you said, I wanted to offer a healthier alternative. I wanted to create a vaping product that could be made with vegetables and water, but no one wants to smoke vegetables or water. I was left with that truth, but felt there had to be a way possible to incorporate fruit into hookah smoking. I tried many things and received a great deal of feedback. People told me it was not possible. Um, it was so discouraging. It was not going to happen. It was not going to work, and that fruit would burn. How do you go about then testing sampling products before you go into mass production into manufacturing? Oh my God, that was a lot. That was that's the part that I was I would say was discouraging because 
before I even got to the point of getting tested, so many people wouldn't even entertain the idea to test it. It was like, I can tell you right now, that's that's not going to work. I can tell you right now, that's not possible. I can tell you right now, you know. And so, and also a lot of those no's and a lot of that feedback also worked better for me because they allowed me to also go back to the drawing board and constantly reinvent, constantly like re-educate myself more and more and more. What could I add? What could I, what could I do? What could I subtract to make sure it's possible to also... I was trying to work so hard to convince people to understand the logic from the, from the beginning so that I wouldn't even get a no to the fact that it made me get my stuff down to the teeth so perfect that I couldn't get a no no more. And not only did I get a yes, the yes that I got was just so, you know, it was so like above and beyond because I did all the work. If, they, if I would got yes from the beginning, I probably would have stopped there. I wouldn't have researched more. I wouldn't have added more. I wouldn't have see what I, what could be used, what can't be used. So I just feel like that was the best thing that could happen to me. I literally got, I think it was like 17 denials. Wow. 21 or something of that nature. That's very discouraging, especially since at the same time, I'm fronting everything. I'm paying for, for these mixtures. I'm, I'm, I'm paying for these formulas. I'm paying for these testing. I'm also trying to uh, live my, my life as an entrepreneur already and doing things on Instagram. I don't have that much money right now. So all these things are causing, it's discouraging, especially when you already got a conference on. I was doing things right right now with WeTV networks and stuff like that, making a lot of money with those. So it's like, why even entertain something I'm getting those from and making zero dollars from and I'm spending all the money I'm making here? That's very discouraging. You might as well say, forget that. I'm going to go where I know it's for sure. But I was adamant. And when I put my mind to something, I'm going to do it. And I feel like my vision is my vision for a reason because I see things that other people can't see. So I'm not going to let their response dictate what I continue to do from that point. I'm going to prove you wrong. And I did that. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> other than you. other than your online strategy, which you can, you know, direct B2C, business to consumer, you can sell directly to your customers. How did you work out your business to, um, to, to get distribution to, to other people's stores, other people's vape shops and other people's hookah lounges so that they can sell your products? So that's the thing. We have like tens of thousands of emails and requests about that. I have never done that yet. I haven't allowed them to do that yet because I feel like I'm still a new business. I'm I'm like, uh, what, less than two years in the game. So I, I, I still have my freshness. I, I still have my exclusivity. And I, I love that about me. Like I'm an online business. I'm doing so great online and everything like that. So I feel like before, at least let me like exude in in, in, in the success and, and and all the, you know, the highs and the lows and experience all my lessons on behalf of myself before I include others, before I even mm -hmm. get to that route. Like I would want more experience as a, you know, a individual, independent entrepreneur before I in, in, include like A through Z right now. I'm not ready for that, that yet. And I, I understand that one day that's definitely, you know, supposed to happen and that's going to happen but I, I just feel like right now is not the right time especially if i'm having so much success on my own by not being so exclusive i feel like that plays a big part that people want to come get it because it's not easy accessible and when they sell out they're ready waiting for the restock so i feel like i'll be working against myself while i'm at the highest part of my career at this point you know how, how did you get celebrities to back you on using their social media platforms? Or was that just they, they saw it organically and like, yo, we yeah, organically. 
that's what that's the thing about me. Like I thought it was so hard for these celebrities. I, I always admired these celebrities. You know, I'm human like everybody else. And I was like, one day I wish I could. One day I wish I could get this person, get that person. But they are human just like us. They like to do the same things that we do, and they like to be a part of the trends and everything else, like everybody else. So I guess seeing my business everywhere, seeing everybody going crazy about it, seeing that everybody don't have access access to it. What it made them want to do is use their celebrity card and just slide it in the DM and be like, yes, I know it's so loud. I know they can't get it, but I want to try it. Can I get it? And that's where it started at. So it got to the point that they started sliding the DM or get my number from a fellow friend, excellent try. I sent it to them. Hopefully one day we can do business. And before I know it, when they get the delivery, wow. they're making a, a video just like everybody else. Wow. And they literally used to brag and be like, well, y'all can't get this. I know it's so loud, but I got mine. So it became a trend. Like, it's like the who's who's who got the black smoke, you know? <laughs> That's fire. That's fire. When I, when I think about when you create an innovative products, I want you to go a level deeper there on, you know, how do you, how you keep away copycats or have a brand strong enough that they can do whatever they're going to do. We're going to do what we're going to do anyway. And so how do you think about your brand being so strong and how do you ensure that it's so embedded in the minds of your consumer that, you know, 10 other people can go and do their fruit thing? We still going to lead this market. Yeah, and that's my biggest point. Like, I feel like people remember the you people remember you in the way that you present yourself. So if if I would have just came out and said, "Hey, hookah from fruit," instead of explaining that this couldn't be done, I was the first one to do it. Whatever the case may be. So that's why people hopped on the wave because and they want to try regardless because it's like this is impressive. This is interesting. I want to try something that I never tried. I want to see what this is like, see what this tastes like. So I feel like now we are stamped as the number one hookah brand, not only the number one hookah brand, that's the first to ever do it. So now even if somebody else was to do it or try to do it, that's cool, but it always will be like, oh, you're doing what Black Smoke has done. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I, you know, I feel like there's no way around it. You know, it's, 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 it's never going to be somebody to come like, take my spot, I'll do me, because you cannot erase history. And I have made history, you know? I love that. Um, this is an entrepreneur I, I follow, his name is Paul Judge, and I'm gonna paraphrase a quote that he says, because it, it, it makes me think of you, and it says, the easiest way to get smart people to wanna work with you is to have big ideas. Smart people wanna work on big ideas, not small ones. And you're creating something out of nothing. And talk to me about some of the most critical roles on your team from the start that were important to you getting to the scale that you're at? Cause they could have done a lot of other things. Yes, absolutely. Like, uh, just like having a vision is one thing, but having your vision unfold in, in front of you, like I can promise you, I can tell you firsthand, like it's not as beautiful and as peachy and cream as it may sound like, because you only believe as far as you can think, and you can only think as far as what you're capable of. So I had this vision, this idea, and this magnitude, and uh, this idea of how big I wanted it to be and how great I wanted it to become. But me as a person, I was not prepared. I was not ready to deal with that. Like I wasn't, I didn't have the, the, the proper knowledge and understand, understanding because I feel like I was gonna learn as I go. What I have accomplished this far probably would have been my 20 year span. Mm. So I thought as I grow on, I was going to have time to, you know, educate myself and learn more and, and be able to put things in different perspectives. But my success almost happened overnight. So it's like you're making the money. You got to deal with the product. You got to deal with inventory. You got to deal with the health. You got to deal with the consumers. You got to deal with the growth. You got to deal with the brand. Like 
all that is a lot for one person, especially when you're not starting off as a team. You're not starting off with a team. So the the, the role that the people that I, I do have closest to me, thank God for them, they play such an important role. Like working the late nights, early mornings, I'm talking about getting off at 4 a.m., coming back to work at 8 a.m. Like yeah. I, I cannot take all the credit. It's, it's times where they tell me, you rest, you go home, you go get you some sleep, and they was running it. You know, so I'm at a point right now, like, I just cherish the people. It's like, I cannot tell my story without including them in it because they done this with me. Like, it's all written. And I, it has people on my team that I can promise you, it could be 50 years from now, I can promise you there's nothing that can make them not be a part of this team. There's nothing that can make me fire them or get rid of them. It's just like, without without them, it's no me. And without me, it's no them. And we have that understanding, and I would never break that loyalty. I've heard you. Well, there's other people who would not embrace being called uh, an overnight success, but I've heard you embrace it. Can you talk about why you've embraced that concept of being an overnight success? Yes. Let me tell you why I embrace it because all, all the, although my journey itself wasn't overnight, because I was creating myself as black tatted, already an entrepreneur, working hard, working with these brands and doing little things. However. The Black Smoke success was overnight. Despite that I used my platform that I had worked on for so many years, that doesn't make a difference. When I released my brand, it was an overnight success. And the reason why I'm not against the overnight success because I feel like that's ultimately the goal that everybody should want. Nobody want to have the option to say, hey, you're going to make a million dollars tomorrow, and they're going to say, hey, no, I'd rather do it in seven years. <laughs> No. So you really you don't really hear about the overnight success too often. So I feel like when 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 it happened, it's a great thing. And I want to give other people hope that you can have that one week or that one day or that one month that can really change your life. Not everything is going to take five to seven, ten years. So that's why even I feel like that gives you the push that you need, even when things doesn't go the way that you expect them or want them to go. You know, this one day it could probably pop. So I feel like that's giving people inspiration and hope to not give up and keep going because it just may be your day and it just may be your week. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, 
a military-trained seduction spy, reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And so I want to go a little bit into your who Black Tatter was before being CEO of this big company now. You were a social media influencer. Like you had people, you were funny, you were doing the comedian thing. Yes. And the, there was a quote I found for you where you said, I was, because you had brand deals. People were paying you to put post about their stuff. And you Correct. said, I, I was okay with giving everybody else business, but it never hit me that I was truly sleeping on myself. That's a quote from you. And so what is the difference though between an influencer who can create a big following and can sell things 
versus an influencer who can who can't seem to make anybody pull out their wallet because that happens. Yes, yes, that's the difference. Because also, what people gotta understand, like having followers, is not like equivalent to having uh, uh, influence. It can have people with a lot of followers, and they can literally be a, a comedian that makes skits with a wig on, per se. And it has people that follow them simply because of that, that reason. All they want to see from you is that video, uh, this character that you put that makes me laugh, that's it. But when you, but it's a difference when you have a person with followers with influence that pretty much have, have their word is bond and, and have built a loyal following and people know that they don't just put their name and their mouth and their stamp on everything. That's why it was very important to me that just because something sounded good, and just because something was presented to me, and just because it matched the dollar amount which I asked for, or maybe have succeeded, well, you're asking for this and you say no, so I'll give you this instead. It was never about the money for me. It was always about like my influence, always about my word of mouth. Because if I'm going to tell my followers to go get this, when they're going to get it, I need it to actually work. Because if they go get it and it doesn't work, that's going to only hurt me in the long run when I say go get something that I really need them to go get. So if I don't believe in it, I'm not going to post about it. If I don't, if I wouldn't use it, I'm not going to tell them to. If I wouldn't buy it, I'm not going to convince them to buy it because you can't do things with just a dollar. That's a temporary fix. But that's a long-term disaster. So how, how do you encourage people who, or teach people who have watched your story, you know, come from, you know, I don't want to say the bottom, but come from not a lot and have achieved what you've achieved and look at you and say, you know what? Well, well, there's something. There's got to be something more to it than this. It's a regular guy. Like, is that po- that's not possible for me? How do you relate to people so that they can be inspired by your story and take nuggets from your story so that they can apply those things to their lives? Yeah, that's why. Like, and yes, I do come from the bottom. Like, I was not born no silver spoon. Like, I lived in the ghetto. I live in the hood. Like, I have literally witnessed murders happen in front of me. And that's just my my truth. Uh, so I feel like. That's why I don't just only like talk about the, the 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 great. I don't just highlight, oh, everything is perfect to me. Like I let them know like the things that discourage me. I let them know like the things that 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 I still haven't figured out. I let them know that this thing has grown so much bigger than me. Like I didn't I really at one point didn't have no idea what I'm doing, what I was doing. I just had a dream and that's just what happened. And also I just need them to understand like it's not about where you come from. Yes, that plays a big part on, you know, of the opportunities sometimes that we have and also the resource. But also, you do not have to be a product of your environment. It's up to you to change that narrative. You don't have to want only what you see. I came from where I came from, and I seen everything around me, but I seen the way it affected everything and everybody around me. So all I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be wanted to be but i know i wanted it to be opposite so you literally got to train yourself to to think for to train yourself to believe and i know it sounds so cliche but if you put your mind to it you can actually do it like where you come from does not determine where you're going Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech, Black Effect Podcast Network, and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Sarah Ergen and Rose McLucas. Special thank you to Micah Davis, Vanessa Serrano, and Maya Muldrew. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Enjoy your Black Tech Green Money. 
Share this with somebody. Go get your money. Peace and love. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.